What's happening and welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Jared sitting here with Pastor Matt Manning, and we are excited to have another episode with you today. Uh, we're looking at uh, what is it? What was our first worst and our favorite car? Um, we all remember our first car and uh, all of the journeys that we had with that as we uh, learned to drive. And so we are, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then today we're going to talk a lot about community and, and what does it look like to gather together and why do we gather? Why does the Bible encourage us to gather? And then how do we handle ourselves in a community when there's conflict. And so we're going to look at all of those things today. Looking forward to it. Matt, it's so awesome to be with you as always. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. This is, uh, we're back kind of remote. I'm sitting in my backyard. So if you hear the birds chirping and the squirrels, what do squirrels do? Do they bark? Whatever the squirrels do. I don't know. They kind of um, chirp a little yeah, too. That's, <laughs> that's what's going on. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I like it. I like the outside feel. Uh, it, it's nice ambiance. So there you go. Appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate your your strategic ambiance. Uh, so Matt, tell me, what was your very first car? Yeah, I had a uh, 1988, I believe it was, a red Ford Tempo. So it was my uh, mom's car uh, when I was growing up, and then when I turned 16. Uh, my parents gifted that to me so that I had a car to drive uh, to and from school so that my mom didn't have to do that. And then what ended up me being able to take my brother and sister around as well. And so a 1988 red for temp. I was. Yeah. I was. I am. Yes, That's kind of like the privilege of being the oldest, right, is... Yay, they're 16. They can take the rest of the kids' places that we don't want to take them anymore. Yeah, man. Theo, he's 12, so it's four more years. Yikes. And then, yeah, there's, a, there's another uh, another round of freedom as parents yeah. in terms of that stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, do you have fond memories of that car or or bad memories of the car? Yeah, no, man. I loved my Red Ford Tempo. It was pretty sweet. Um, you know, it was just this boxy car that was awesome and just got me around places and like I said my parents gave it to me and uh it was old when they gave it to me but I didn't care it was yeah it was still cool and then you know every car after that I've had to pay for mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of fun out of having vehicles when you're having to pay for them yeah so my very first car was an 82 Datsun station wagon okay and it was it was like it wasn't the newer model, uh, what, whatever they used to build cars. Now it was like the, it was like steel, and okay. so when it would rain, it was like thundering rain inside of the car. Um, but man, it, it was a solid piece of piece of junk. I guess we'll call it a piece of junk. Uh, <laughs> right there you but, go. Uh, it it was so bad. It was a stick shift, which was awesome to learn to drive on a stick. But um, it. Going up hills, I was kind of like a trucker. Like I had to gain speed going down hills in right. order to get enough speed to get up and over the hill. And so I'd be like downshifting, flooring the car, and people behind me are like honking, like, go the speed limit. And I'm like, I'm trying <laughs> to go as fast as I can. <laughs> this is all the faster yeah. it goes. Oh, man. And it's funny because with that car in particular, 
I have more memories than with really any other car that I've ever owned. And, yeah. and I didn't own it. Mine was gifted to me by my parents, too, because they bought it brand new in 1982 when my sister was born. Like, yeah. that, was, that was like, hey, we're starting a family. We're getting a family car. And so um, when I turned 16, you know, 18 years later, um, I got the, the hand-me-down of the Datsun station wagon. And, man, yeah. we had so many good memories in that car. <laughs> uh, there was one time that uh, we had a flat tire. And so me and my friend Nick had pulled off on this road because of our flat tire, and we were close to uh, our friend's house. And so we're like, well, let's just walk to our friend's house. And so we walked a few blocks. We got to, to her house, and she wasn't home. But we'd never met her parents before. And we're like, hey, we're her yeah. friend. We're just wondering. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to get, you know, our – we didn't know how to change a tire because we were – 16 yeah. you know and so he walked down there and he got it with us but after we got the tire changed like the car it had been snowing and so the car was stuck and so uh oh my. he and my friend nick get in the back and they start pushing the car as i'm in it trying to slowly get the wheels to turn and the thing that i remember the most is that this random younger girl pulls in front of us like to <laughs> her intentions were pure. She came to help us, and yeah. she gets out of the car, and our friend's dad's like, what are you doing? Get out of the way. And she's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she starts crying, and she ran back, got in her car, and drove away. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. We just ruined her life forever. <laughs> oh, I bet you. <laughs> she, she, it probably. So, did they, were they able to? Did they, they push you out? out? We got out, and we were oh, good. Okay, they got out. But got I feel out. bad yeah. for that girl because she had the courage to stop. She's like, I am yeah, going to so help. She's, so she's out there. So she's out there listening to this podcast. What, what would you want to say, say to her? I would say, I'm sorry that you got yelled at, and thank you for stopping and being willing to help. Please don't let it stop you from doing it again in the future. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Yeah, my, my friend and I still, if I just will randomly yell, I'm sorry, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first day, the first weekend that I had my license, um, I drove, and then that Monday I was going to school, and it was the first time I was ever driving to high school by myself in that Red yeah. Ford Tempo. And I lived off of like 102nd and Lowell, and I went to Stanley Lake, so I was driving on Church Ranch Road, which was brand new then, going over 36, and it had like sleeted slash iced mm -hmm. that night. This was like a September. And as I was going over uh, the pass there on 36, I got to that stoplight and I hit the brakes and I didn't stop, right? Because yeah. the ice on the road. And so I just kind of slid through the intersection, kind of just doing like a 360. And I got to the other side and I was facing the right direction and nobody had hit me. So I just like kept on going, right? And I made it to school and went to school. I came home and uh, I was so, like, amped up about what happened and how I had survived, you know, skidding through uh, an intersection that I shared it all with my mom. And I was not allowed to drive for, like, a month yeah. after that <laughs> because of she was so scared that her baby was going to uh, get hurt. And then my dad came home, and he had already heard all about the story. And that night when I was going to bed, he just looked at me, and he just said, Son, there's just some things you don't share with your mother. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget like that moment. So all of my uh, car escapades and dangerous car yes. escapades after that, uh, my mom yeah. just never uh, just never knew Mom's about. Mom's the word. That's Mom's so the word. funny. That's it. Oh, that's yep. good. Um, so that was my first car. The first car that I bought 
was a, a Ford Bronco that it was a graduation okay. present from my parents. So I paid half and they paid half. And I went to pick it up. It broke down on my way home and, and I, it never made it home. I never, ever got oh to my. drive it ever again. Uh, so that's kind of a fun story. But then do you, have a, do you have a car that you just loved? It was your favorite car? Was that the same car? Or have you had a different car in your, your history of automobiles that's just been your favorite? Yeah, no. You know, automobiles have been like the thorn in my side, like my entire life. In fact, Pastor Chris makes fun of me, and he says that there's nobody that he knows who has had worst uh, luck that's with That's funny because you're normally a person that has like good luck falling your way all the time. I do. I, I have a tremendous amount, but vehicles, Not you know, so one much. of the vehicles that we, one of the vehicles that we have right now, it has 110,000 miles and it just got its fifth power steering pump put Yay. into it. And so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's just one of the many, uh, ills. So when it comes to vehicles, they're just more like a grin and bear it. You have to have mm -hmm. them now one day. I mean, if I got one of those new Ford Broncos that just came mm -hmm. out, that would be sweet. Uh, you know, I put myself into a drawing yesterday to win a Tesla, and so I could see um, you winning. I'm that. actually, yeah. So I'm actually waiting for the call yeah. to tell me that I won. Yeah, it's supposed to happen today, so, so I'm looking forward so to that. So if you jump off randomly uh, while we're doing the podcast, we know what's up. Yeah, if you just hear a distant yell in the uh -huh. background of me, yeah. then yeah, you'll totally know. <laughs> I like it. That's funny. Um, so. The thing with, when I think about stories and I think about uh, our car stories and I think about just uh, the things that are, are in our memories, a lot of times it's connected in community with other people, right? Like that's what makes a story yeah. really, really good is, is the shared experience that you have with somebody else. And I was thinking about uh, in Hebrews 25 when uh, scripture says, do not give up meeting together. Um, and I actually have it pulled up here. Um, it's 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And so uh, I was just thinking about that this week and thinking about here we are in this season where uh, church buildings have been shut down and uh, we're supposed to be social distancing and all of these different things. And, and so I'm wondering if you could give us some insight to uh, the context of, of what uh, the author of Hebrews is speaking to us in this, and also how how is that applicable in our current situation? Yeah, those are two very good questions. I think that, you know, when it comes to that Hebrew 10's passage, like the two things we have to realize is one is, you know, the whole uh, understanding of ecclesia, which is what we translate as church, is really the idea of assembly. So it's not so much a building, but really a group of people. And the word ecclesia actually goes in the Greek back to like political assemblies that people would gather together uh, for political discourse or debate or like political rallies. That was that was what ecclesia was uh, in Greek culture. And then Jesus comes along and he says, look, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my my church, my assembly my people. And so from the very foundations of Christianity, it's this understanding that gathering is important, that assembly is important. And I think that the reason that the assembly is important is for a variety of reasons, but specifically to the Hebrew verse there, is that the beginning that Paul says is that we need to continually encourage one another, right? Stir each other up. Mm -hmm. And that idea of stirring up is actually of like agitation. Like when you agitate, when you're washing something and you agitate the fabric, 
um, that's what the idea of there, the stir one another is, is that we're supposed to be constantly and deeply impacting each other mm-hmm. in encouragement. And that happens within the gathering. And then there's just something too, I think our gathering that uh, when we're together as a congregation, that's when uh, our gifts come out, right? Where we build one another up. We encourage each other in that. We minister to one another. Uh, we minister to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we sing. Uh, when we're together and we're collectively opening God's word and looking at that together, that there's something different about that than when we're just by ourselves. And so um, we said it for years at Crossroads that you can go alone in your Christian faith, but you can't go far. Yeah. You need other people. Yeah. Now, the question then becomes in our current situation, right, where we're not able to gather as a big church. You and I were talking about it earlier, but kind of the idea and the understanding is that, or maybe the way that we should think, is that when it comes to the church and the gathering of the church, uh, there wasn't any church in the New Testament that was huge to the extent that Crossroads is, mm-hmm. right? Or name another church in our area, that most of them were small communities of people gathering together and probably looked a lot more like what we would call community groups than our Sunday morning worship gatherings. And so I think that that all comes together, that gathering is certainly important. For years and years, our model of gathering has been on, say, a Sunday morning and a worship service. And yet, as we look at the early church, it wasn't quite like that. It doesn't make one better than the other. But we just have to realize that gathering is important, mm-hmm. um, regardless of the model of the way that yeah. we gather. I think it's important to recognize, too, I think you brought it up already, that the purpose of why we gather, right? Um, and so I can gather together in, in my life group or my community group, and uh, we can spur one another on. We can have good conversation uh, uh, about what it means to follow Jesus in our current cultural climate and, and really any circumstance, oh. right? Uh, we can dig deeper into uh, what is Jesus talking about in different places of Scripture. Um, we could study together. We can enjoy each other's company and realize, man, I'm not in this thing alone. Like, we're going along, and uh, I'm struggling with something, and I have brothers and sisters that are ready to come alongside me. Um, but then we also have the the reality that uh, when we gather together uh, what we've known as traditional Sunday service, right, that there's something special and unique that happens in that place, too. When when you have a larger assembly, I think that there's, it, 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 even, it broadens that a little bit more, right, where you go, man, there are all these people, and we're all here for the same purpose. We're all here to worship and, and, and glorify God together, and, and we have the added bonus that you know, you have people who are gifted in, in speaking and, and preaching, and uh, and so we get to hear from them. You have people who are gifted musicians that you get to uh, you get to experience their gifts that God has given them. Um, but I, I just think that when I think about don't give up the habit of meeting together, it would be so easy for us in this season to be like, man, it's so easy. F- I can just wake up and turn on my phone and watch whatever message I want to watch. I can listen to any music that I want to watch. I can watch almost any service across the country or across the world. And I, now more than ever, I think of that, that scripture, and we need to live that out and be intentional to live it out more than we have in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's made this season particularly hard, particularly for those who are believers or even those of, um, yeah, for just believers, uh, is the reality is that the gathering is a big part of what we do. 
and we're called to gather. And the model that we've chosen to gather in, which is these large assemblies on Sundays, um, culturally speaking, has stopped in this. And so I think for a lot of people, uh, myself included, at times, I feel like, you know, part of my life has been taken from me, you know, that I don't get to see uh, some friends that I regularly get to see. I don't get to uh, meet new people. I don't get to see old faces. I don't get to uh, listen to a, a sermon or sing a song and see how you are reacting to that in the way that you're worshiping God, you know? And so I think that all of that is missing. It's what makes this season so incredibly difficult. And yet at the same time, um, the gathering command is not just to gather in big buildings with lots of people. It's that the church gathers together. And we remember, right, that that the gathering um, during Jesus's time was largely 12 guys in Jesus, right? Like that was the gathering. And then there were moments where there was 5,000, 20,000 people gathered. Um, and so we see both of them as good. Neither of them are wrong or bad, but we're in a season uh, where we where we need to, for our own health and our own growth as Christians, not give up gathering together in the groups that we can, which are very much small groups at this yeah. point. I think it's good to be intentional to do that. And uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and I'll plug what, what Crossroads is doing. I mean, we have community groups, so anybody that wants to be in a community group, uh, you can easily participate in that. Just go to crossroadsabc.com and just click on the button that says community groups and you can get involved there. Um, but we also, we're doing our outside gatherings now. And I know that some people, uh, it, it's warm outside or, or there's different reasons to, to keep you from, from going to our outside gatherings. But I would encourage you, if you can, uh, come to these things uh, because we want you uh, to be able to have those experiences together. Um, <laughs> Matt's watching me as uh, my children are trying to come into our room. Uh, as we're doing this thing, and I'm trying to point to them and tell them to get out of here. But um, hey, that's the hey, we're doing this remotely today. This is that's real right. life. This, this is, is real the way life. it this works. Is, this is how it goes. Ezra's been knocking on my door for the last five minutes, uh, <laughs> and I had to just turn my volume down and say, "Buddy, I'm recording a podcast with Pastor Matt. I cannot talk to you right now. I love go you. Go get whatever. Go get whatever you want. Whatever snack you want. Whatever you want to play." I give yep. you permission. So, uh, so Matt, uh, my next question that I want us to think through is: uh, in our climate, our cultural climate right now, the 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 stance that a lot of people take is this idea that if you disagree with me, we can't be in community, right? Like if you don't yeah. agree, if you don't think the way that I think, then we can't be in community with one another, and and we. We separate ourselves, we join whatever Facebook group agrees with my views, that way the stuff that shows up on my Facebook page, I can just rally behind and be like, yeah, see, that's what I thought, you know? And so my question is, how do we have healthy community, and how do we have health, healthy community with people that might not see things the same way that I see them? Yeah, I think that we have some pretty uh, good pictures in the scriptures of people disagreeing, right? So I think of like Paul and Barnabas uh, and the disagreement that they had. Um, oh, good old Paul and Barney. Yeah, we see Acts 15, right, where the entire church is coming together. And the question of the day and really the disagreement is whether Gentile men should be circumcised or not, right? And apparently 
uh, being circumcised as a Gentile man was a uh, <laughs> was an inhibitor to coming to faith, right? Nobody wanted to go down that road, and so they were I looking could see at that. yeah. So they were looking at you know. So there's a huge disagreement in the church, and they were going, should they or shouldn't they be circumcised in that space? Mm-hmm. And so I think that we have um, plenty of opportunities throughout the scriptures to see disagreement. And I think what I come back to uh, time and time again when it comes to areas of disagreement that uh, two things. One is that there are some spaces of disagreement that do uh, force us to separate, right? We look at Paul and Barnabas, and their disagreement led to them separating uh, in, on the mission field, and one went one way and one went the other way. I think more often than not when we see disagreements in the scriptures uh, that it's a place for grace, you know, that God has challenged me in my life uh, more so with people who disagree with me than with people who agree with me. And the reason for that is I have to come up for a reason of, of why do I believe what I believe. Uh, I'll never forget kind of coming out of seminary. Uh, I read a book called Blue Like Jazz by Don, Donald Miller. Donald Miller is yep, one of my favorite authors. His uh, One of his later books called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years is my mm-hmm. favorite book of all time. Really? And yeah, yeah, I did not is. know that. Yeah, I, I just love, love, love that book. But uh, Blue Like Jazz, um, all of a sudden I was confronted with a story of a believer who wasn't like me, right? He, he was a left-leaning political guy, right? Uh, he smoked, um, all this kind of stuff that you wouldn't think of in terms of what I was brought up in in evangelical Christianity, and yet he had this deep and profound faith in Jesus. And... Um, and so I, that book, in particular, in particular, God used really to challenge me in my understanding of, of what does faith look like. And even if I disagreed with some things that Donald Miller wrote in his book, would I, um, you know, how how do we walk together? And I think Paul writes it best in Romans, and I think we've probably even mentioned it on a podcast before. But it's one of my favorite verses that, uh, to the degree that it's up to me, live live peacefully with one another. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when there's disagreement, we're not just to run away, but we're to understand, seek to understand before being understood that there's ample opportunity for grace. And then at the end of the day, what does it look like to live with peace? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I kind of navigate those situations. So I don't yeah. know that it's always healthy for us to run away from the disagreement because in part what happens is our voice is lost in the in the midst of whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the idea that we're called to spur one another on toward faith and good deeds, it's hard to spur each other on when we're not in the room together. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I mean, we're in a culture of hypersensitivity, right? We're in a culture of um, short fuses. I mean, everybody, tensions seem to be high, stress seems to be high. And so, so many things are ready to just set us off. And so for us to recognize that and be intentional to say, I'm going to intentionally be in community. I'm going to intentionally be around people that may not think exactly the way that I think in order for me to be spurred on. Because the reality is, is that we're all broken, right? We all think wrong. We all filter through our own life experiences. We all filter through what I believe to be true. And really, Romans tells us that we are to surrender all those things and say, God, actually... I'm broken. I need you to renew my mind. I need you to make me think the way that you think uh, and, and, and to be working through how to uh, think 
the way that God thinks. And I think that uh, that and I get that that brings up. I mean, everybody says, well, this is what God says. No, well, this is what God says. That was one of the most difficult things for me in college was when I had two professors and they both had differing views about women in ministry. Mm. And I'm like, you guys are supposed to be teaching me and you can't even agree yeah. on on what what is right and what, what God is saying is true. And so, um, but like you said, I, I love how you always uh, bring up Open-fisted issues and closed-fisted issues. Yeah, open-handed you know, and closed-fisted. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, you could see my hand. Nobody yes, else could see my right, hand, but right. I did. I did my hand correctly. Um, and so those things that are just you can't argue them. You know, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the, and the life. You know, those are you. Either you believe it or you don't. Yep. But then there's these other issues that. Uh, I think that we can disagree on and still be able to follow Jesus together. Yeah, and I think that humility is a, a big piece of that, right? That um, part of our Christian journey and our Christian faith is is the rejection of pride in our lives. Yeah. And we have moments throughout the scripture, like in First Peter, I think it's chapter 5 or so, right? Where Peter says, look, you're, you're to humble yourself. So that ultimately, it's the humble that's going to be exalted. And then we hear Jesus speak, and we're told, you know, that ultimately the proud are going to be horribly humbled. And so there's this idea of that humility is a large and a big part of what our faith and what God is using in our lives to bring about faith. And I think that to be able to go, um, is this an open-handed or closed-fisted issue? And if it's open-handed, regardless, or closed-fisted, how do I approach this with humility? How do I approach mm -hmm. this going that that what I know is what I know, and yet at the same time, maybe there's something here that God wants to uh, teach me and to show me. Right. And, you know, going back to the Blue Like Jazz, that was a huge piece of what God used in that book uh, was to really help me in a way of seeing and walking humbly with some of the things that I thought people should walk with. And the reality is, is, you know, uh, the world doesn't think like us. So we're talking a lot mm -hmm. about Christians right now. But uh, the reality is, is that um, when it comes to our engagement in the world, uh, people aren't going to think like us. People are yeah. going to disagree with the way that we think, right? When it comes mm -hmm. to the worldview, hopefully uh, most of us who are believers have a biblical worldview and are approaching the world with through that lens and yet the world doesn't. And so um, it's just arrogant of me to think that everybody's going to think the way that I think, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, but to rather to understand they have no reason to think like I think. You know, they haven't been impacted mm -hmm. by the gospel the way that I've been impacted by the gospel. Yeah. And so how do I humbly walk alongside this person? And when the opportunity comes, how do I display the gospel to give mm -hmm. an example? My wife is amazing at this. Um, she has uh, just a ton of friends who are unbelievers, and anytime they're going through uh, just a space of trial in their life, she just simply asks the question, like, where do you find your hope? Like, where do you have hope in this moment? And, you know, people struggle to answer the hope question in the midst of trial, particularly as an unbeliever. And so, uh, invitably, what then ask, happens is they ask her the question, well, if you were going through something like this, where where do you find your hope? And then it op opens up an easy conversation for her experience with the gospel. And so yeah. um, so I think that there's moments like that, but 
But if she just held back and was just like, look, you know, through arrogance and pride, like this person's wrong. They're handling their trial wrong. You know, everything about this person's wrong. <laughs> um, then, then those questions that she so humbly asks would never get asked and her ability to display the gospel would, would never be, would never be mm-hmm. seen. Yeah, the, the, there's a scripture that says always be ready uh, with an answer when they come asking, yes. right? And that's not me uh, necessarily going out and telling everybody what to think all the time, but as they see the way that you live your life, as you engage with them relationally, eventually people start asking questions. Mm-hmm. And for us to be ready and prepared with the answers when they ask the questions, I think that's really uh, just an important piece. And another piece is that the Holy Spirit's at work. Like, He's yeah. the one that's, that's going to change hearts. Like, I can have the best argument ever, but if God's not doing something, if God's not doing the miraculous work uh, of bringing somebody unto himself, uh, then it's all for naught. And so I think that it's, it's important for us to remember uh, in these times that, that the Holy Spirit is actively working and that uh, we need to, through prayer and petition, just be asking God to, to be overseeing those conversations and helping us to be as prepared as we can be as we, we engage in community. So, Matt, thanks again for uh, chatting with me today, as always. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you for listening today. Uh, if you want to join a community group, again, go to crossroadsabc.com uh, and, and you just click on the community group button. Uh, we're on Facebook. We are on uh, YouTube and of course crossroadsabc.live uh, you can watch all of our live content uh, when it is being broadcast so uh, 